Welcome back to the All The Fly Kids Show. This is episode 11, the artistic game episode. And today we have an esteemed guest. He's a father, creative director, and business owner. Some of y'all may be familiar with this work. Some of you may not, may not be. But after this show, you definitely will be. Um, and tonight we have Mr. Muhammad Hill joining us. How's everybody doing out there? Appreciate you for having me, too. Thank you for being here. So, Muhammad, Muhammad, tell us, where are you from? Um, 32-year Washingtonian. Um, I grew up on 14th and Clifton Street, Northwest, um, also known as Clifton Terrace. Um, uh, graduated from uh, Cardoza Senior High School, uh, right up around the neighborhood. and uh, Right across the street. Uh, no question. <laughs> <laughs> So that's pretty. That's where I'm from, though, the D.C. area, though. Okay. And what was what was D.C. like for you growing up? Like as you remember it, you know, from as a child all the way up through your teen years. Um, for me, D.C. was a uh, had a lot of originality early. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that we invented just about every trend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that anybody that was famous <laughs> was from D.C. because they had success. Yeah. Um, it'll do that to you here. You know, um, it's two ways to kind of look at it. Uh, It can uh, put you in a mind state of thinking that D.C. is is the world. Mm -hmm. And then it'll put you in a mind state of saying, I'm closed in. I need to see some other things so I can understand that D.C. is an end-all, be-all. But um, early um, in uh, my years in D.C., growing up in uh, uptown uh, northwest, uh, um, basketball-driven, uh, it was a. Uh, I come up in uh, the late eighties, early nineties. So, mm-hmm. um, the murder rate was extremely high. Um, by the time I was about, let's say, fourteen, fifteen, I had already lost about six friends. Mm-hmm. And I don't use the term friends loosely, but more so, um, people that I saw daily. Yeah, yeah, you know that I could, you know, say, hey, let's go to the playground and play three on three or. Yeah, I come in the Shanika party over on First Street, or you know what I mean. You so, know, you know them well enough that their absence was felt. No question. So um, around like fourteen, fifteen, it began to be numb, mm-hmm. you know. And um, also, um, growing up, uh, a lot of the basketball players that were here, even if they weren't at a major level, NBA or a semi-pro or things of that nature, but the neighborhood guys that were extremely popular mm-hmm. or the street legends should I say mm-hmm. basketball they they kind of they were like the heroes for yeah. me you know growing up I didn't um I didn't have cable until I was a probably about 1918 okay. something like that <laughs> so um you know I had to be a, everything I I saw and I looked forward to was pretty hands-on you know as opposed to tv so I didn't although basketball was my thing I didn't watch a lot of like the Celtics and things of that nature growing up I was a outside kid mm-hmm. on the playground you know so um and one thing I could say about DC in the early years is that um a lot of my style and create creative ability came from being uptown cuz it's almost like the Harlem of New York mm-hmm. you know it's the flashy guys and the flashy clothes and might be in a Porsche, but got 
$300 in your pocket. You it's know? it's crazy that you say that because I, I remember when I moved up to Harlem, I, I kind of felt that same, mm-hmm. like, like, this kind of feel like Northwest what? D.C. <laughs> North a little West. bit, you yeah. know? So, I mean, it, it was good, man. And it was uh, due to the um, my pedigree and my family um, of years of generations, uh, I was able to have somewhat of an umbrella over top of me for me to be able to thrive and be successful. So it opened up a lot of doors, um, stuff that most kids probably wouldn't get away with mm-hmm. or get in certain, you know, camps or things of that nature because of my dad and, you know, my family or generations, um, you know, the relationship carried on. Okay. So, you know, I was, um, I definitely was blessed with that. I appreciate that now as I got older. Okay. Okay. Um, what was, uh, DC style and fashion like in your youth like from what you remember um I was always in the clothes and shoes though from from the beginning mm-hmm. um my first um actual social media was Instagram which was about four years ago but I, I never really was into those type of things I came up in that era where uh you had to be somebody mm-hmm. and I'm saying that a lot of people now with, that have success aren't somebody but you know, in that late 80s, 90s, and even up to, like, 2000, um, it, your, your peoples either had to have a little money. Mm-hmm. You know, your uncle sold dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and all your brothers and sisters could fight. Yeah. Or you played basketball. Or, you know, it just had to be something that gave you the popularity. You had to be attached to something no that question. was respected <laughs> as far as, like, the hood and the streets no went. Question. Yeah. So, for me, um, with... Uh, when it came to clothes and stuff, like um, if you go back, even like when I first got on like social media, like I would post pictures of myself like sneaks early and stuff like that, and it would be people that went to elementary school with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And be like, oh, that's the same old mo. <laughs> he been doing that. Yeah. You know, just for some people that some people that might you know be like, oh, you hey boy, you done came a long way. And then there'd be people correcting him in the comment, like, oh, nah, he been like that. You know, so it's an authenticity um, when people could tell the story for you. Yeah. As opposed to you having to, you know, promote yourself. Mm-hmm. So early on, I was in it like, um, I say like Elo. I was into like the polo real, real heavy. Okay. You know, that was the big thing. And um, I would wear polo a lot, you know, the guests. You know, and I thought that was everything. I would get the Marshall Faults. Man, guess was serious back in the no day. Question, no question. <laughs> and uh, I would uh, be into the Marshall Faults, you know, back mm-hmm. to school. And um, Barry Sanders, which was seventh grade. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the Dion's, you know, which was like fifth. And then, you know, the regular Jordans, I would do that. But, of course, New Balance, you had to have the 996s from DDTP. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I would go there and then athletes foot over on my bro pipe. We would go all the way from uptown over there because they would sell the shoes a little early, a little twenty, thirty dollars extra. Damn, athletes yeah. foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's a throwback. Yeah, yeah I've been <laughs> I've been in this. But um to be honest, um a lot of uh me working to get the clothes because I became addicted to it, like clothes and shoes. Uh, I'm Muslim, um been Muslim my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um and um I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the uh, the holidays that the other kids had. Yeah. So, you know, and kids are harsh. So I had to develop certain things to continue to build my character. Mm-hmm. 
you know what I'm saying? So I end up like um a lot of people don't like the Jonin part. Like I'm yeah. I'm I'm up there with one of the best. <laughs> but um I I I can see that. I had I, can I see had that. To, I had to develop that and um and growing up it's it's tough because you know you got the the, the Christmas break. Mm-hmm. But even before Christmas break, like the kids would come to school and they would be dressed up for Halloween. So I would have to find a way to kind of explain to this nine-year-old or this 11-year-old that why I don't have on a costume, mm-hmm. you know? So that day when everybody wears the costume, I made sure I put on an incredible outfit that they would be, you know what I'm saying? So, And then even like, you know, we had our break for Christmas break and, you know, kids would come back, two, three pair of shoes plus the Tim's. When they made the single soles with the waterproof on them, mm-hmm. the green um, ticket on the side of them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know high tech boots and things of that nature and field boots, like I had to save. You know, I would work with my dad um, up at Howard University. We've been there thirty seven, thirty eight years. Mm-hmm. I would sell programs at the game since I was like nine years old. You know, and I would stack my dough. They got a, uh, they usually got about fourteen games and seven of them home games. So. You know, you do the math, I make about $150 a game, mm-hmm. you know, selling the program. So I would take that and I would stack it, you know. And uh, I'm um, I'm one of uh, five children. Um, it was six. My oldest brother passed away. But so when you think about that, you got to think about the household. And when my mom go buy one, she can't buy one. She got to buy five. So, you know, you, you factor that in when it's time to say, oh, I want the Dion's and the Jordans. It's not going down like that, you know. Where'd you fall in that five? Like I'm I'm the baby. You the baby? Yeah, okay. I'm the baby. So I had a lot of, I, I cheated a little bit because my brothers and them, they, got, they had a lot of, they got swag too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that they had, I would wear it big or I would just wait till, you know, they done with it and then, you know what I'm saying? And my sister and my brother kind of wore, um, that's right over top of me, they kind of wore close to my side. So very so often I tell my sister, oh, you get the white ones and I'm going to get the black ones. And, you know, we just switch out because mm-hmm. we was going to separate schools at the time. So, I mean, you know, I had to figure it out. But um, when I got to junior high school, it was like, it was, it was it was time to turn up a little bit. You know, my brother and them, they was a little older than me, so they would go down Lifestyles and they was wearing Iceberg and Costa Bajac, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And Fasashi and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm in Deal, seventh grade, coming from uptown. You know, um, some of the best years of my life, too, my dad, the seventh through ninth grade. Um, like, being able to um, be exposed to so many different cultures and so many different nationalities going to Deal, it kind of, that kind of opened me up from being, you know, on 14th Street so much and not going to school with, you know, um, people other than African-Americans, you yeah. know, so you when I went to deal, it's like, man, oh, yeah. hold on, <laughs> Megan Montgomery, and then, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> so, you know, that helped me a lot, though, and um, just being able to get along with them, and, you know, um, I went to a uniform school when I was um, in LO, so when I got to middle, it was like every day, yeah. it's dress down day, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, so um, that's when I took on, you know, Back then, it was, you know, you might get Jumpmans, and then you get the little matching Jordan T. Mm-hmm. You know, Old Navy and Gap had just really, like, well, Old Navy had really hit hard when it came. And, uh, you know, the girls was wearing Parasucos and Sestois jeans and Princess jeans. You know, I was in all that. I wanted to see what my girl was going to wear. <laughs> you know, they was rocking the Princess Reeboks, you know what I'm saying? And 
Old Navy had dropped the T-shirt with the keychain, the two keychains that one said old and the yep. other said Navy. Yeah, you yeah, know, man. Saying, <laughs> you know, and then I got the ninth grade and I started being in the denim. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So uh, that's when Gap had launched that 1969 yep. um, denim. So I'm like, oh, this is premium. You know, so I was on that 1969 <laughs> wave, you know, and uh, yeah, I had, I had I had me a job at the Gap when I was in high school. Oh, that's so. a blessing. Yeah, that's a blessing. <laughs> Back when the Gap was something. Yep, yep. And and every so often, if I really wanted to show off, I you know I went to Banana Republic, and I, that was like me stunting on dudes. Like, yeah, you went to Gap, I went to Banana Republic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, you know what I'm saying. So when I got the ninth, it was like, okay, cool. And I, I got my first cool G in ninth grade, mm-hmm. uh, you know, matching hat joint. It was a brown joint I wore with my field boots. That was major. So at the time, um, one of my dad's friends, had, uh, he was like one of the either part owners or something at Stride, right? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a secret. So um, he uh, he had one in Wheaton Plaza, and then it was one in Forsville Mall, right? Mm-hmm. They only go up to a size seven. Or six and a half at the time, or six, six and a half, one of them for mm-hmm. kids. But they would get every Jordan, up tempo, Dion early. Like soon as they get it, they just put it out. Yeah. So once I got whim of it, right? I ran it for like man, I ran it for like five years. Mm-hmm. But me going to deal, like Vin Bakers and stuff like that would come out. I would be two weeks early at the school. So like I developed this reputation like in seventh grade. Like, even from the ninth graders and the kids that was going to Wilson, like, yo, this, like, whatever's about to come out, he's probably going to come up here you know, with it on, like, two Mo weeks early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point where, like, even if that social media was out back then, I'd probably be on fire. <laughs> but uh, the dude, so um, one time they sent him a sample of the uh, the silver the uh, silver phone posit, mm-hmm. the first Duncan. Um, and... It was the kid joint. It had the air bubble, the one single air bubble wall around around the back. But the men's had the full air the bubble, full and then the yeah. the two at the at the front. So, um, he he called me and he was like, "Man, uh, I got this shoe in, man. It looked like a spaceship." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" I'm like, "Ah, trying right. to see what you could do with it." Right. So, um, I get on the train after school, um, and I'm like, "Man, I'm gonna go up to Wheaton." I, my my cousin uh, Charlie who was with me and uh, Tamika Robson, who's still one of my friends to this day, Tamika and Tania. And it was one of a girl, I think Darren A, this girl named Darren A. So it was the five of us. We always rode the train out to school. We ride the Forest Glen, you know, be hugging and kids, you know, the little kids that were eighth grade stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, we got to go to Wheaton. He said he got this sneak for me, da, da, da. They part of my, you know, my process. So <laughs> we get up there and it, he brings it out the back. And I'm like, Yo, what is that? You know, and I was like, so how much? And he was like, at that time, you know, 150 was steep when you went to six. Absolutely. So he was like, <laughs> yeah, this one's 150. You know, you could just give me whatever and then, you know, just keep paying me whatever. So I was like, nah, I had just won. Um, I used to sell these Lottie Pops at school. I've always been a hustler. So these little watermelon Lottie Pops, I would get the pack for like 12 and then it was like 40 in there. I was selling for a quarter, you know, just making bread, you know, extra little $20 every bag. But mm-hmm. I was moving like two, three bags a day. Mm-hmm. So I had like 135 on me, you know what I'm saying? And then my friends, all of them just put in and I copped them, you know. Those so good friends. I, I, I came back to school the next day and I was like, I couldn't even win because I didn't have 
You ain't had a that fit. killer to go with it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And at this time, Moschino had just like really hit the hit the. So I'm telling my uh my brother like, yo, I gotta get that great Moschino tea with the M's all over it, this and that. So I had to wait. I waited like three, four days. Howard had a home game. They played Morgan State at Howard. It's like vivid for me. Mm. And um, I did that. I ended up going back. So I came back to school that Monday. And man, I I never forget it. It's like that was like my Stapleton. For everybody that was uptown, everybody that was in school systems, like I went to every station that day. Like I went to Lafon Plaza to catch the Jeff- the Jefferson chicks. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? Like I was on that. You, you know just you saying? just had the flex. Oh, you had man, the flex. It, it was incredible. The Stuart Hobson girls was at Union Station. Mm. Like I just you know I was trying to run into all of them so they could see me shine. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and then like, you know, I would wear them maybe like twice a week, you know, I was trying to keep them fresh cause, um, I, I had no idea about the release date, like no clue. So the sample was made six months before. That was the only shoe he had and everything. So I had it six months before the shoe came out. Right. That what, so now that's common. There could, there's this right. select people out here right. who can get a shoe way before everybody else gets. We talking about but back, 99. But back then, yeah, we talking that about wasn't happening. 98. That wouldn't happen unless you were like yeah. an athlete. Right. You know, that just wasn't happening. Nah, it's not. <laughs> and you know, listen, let me tell you how crazy it is, right? People was like, yo, you know, you got a contract with Nike. It, it was crazy. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? So I remember this guy named Cunningham. He went to Wilson or whatever. He was like in eleventh. He yeah. was from over. Um, he was from uh Southeast. Mm. And he was like, "Yo, like, man, you my I, like." He was like, you, "I can't believe you did." Like, I found out. He pulled out a piece of paper that he printed off the internet in Wilson. Back then, they didn't even have a lot of color printers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, not saying we real old, but you know. So he was like, "Yo, this joint say August first. I'm and like, you, Dang, you, that's. Almost seven months from now. And you already got the jump. Man, listen, wherever I went in the city, people was going to get people. Oh, then the joints right there. And you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that right there, that was like the, my thing. And then so, maybe like two months later, he came with the white ones. So let me ask you this. Mm. In terms of just like who or what influenced you, mm. in terms of just like who was your first inspiration, your fa- first fashion inspiration, or who or what? Was it just like, do you think that it was more so innate? Just hearing what you're saying, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, was that more innate, or would you say that there were some, like, external inspiration? It was, it was some external inspiration. Um, Like I said, I'm the youngest. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, my brothers, my oldest brother, he was, um, was kind of in the street, mm-hmm. you know. So we would watch movies. Mm-hmm. Not the movies that the ten year old was supposed to be watching, but right. like I was watching Goldie, the Mac, mm-hmm. and things of that nature, and like I would watch these things, and like I would see these, and like all the drug dealers they would had is MCM on, and you know I would look up to that, you know, because I was, you know, I was on Fourteenth Street. It's right. not like I got to see like you know it wasn't like no Kanye's then or nothing like that. Not really like only music I ever knew, honestly, like. I bought my first rap album. It was a, the Black album. Mm. That was my first rap album. For real? That was your first rap album? Yeah. My first Go-Go album I bought when I was eight years old, eight or nine years old from PA Palace. So see, you you beat me on the Go-Go, but yeah. you, was, you was a little late to the rap, the rap album Yeah, I was album super late. I was purchases. super late, but like, I was getting 10, 15 backyards and like, I'd go to school every day, like, mm-hmm. and I would swap tapes with people, like, you know what I'm saying? Because... I'm a go-go head. That's mm-hmm. just how I come, you know, that's what I thought was our music. Yeah. So, like, 
it wasn't until later on I actually figured out like it still is our music, right? It it, it might it might not have the same stronghold that it no once question. did, but it's still our music. Yeah, like I even had to like some songs that I heard later on, and I would hear them on the radio because I never really was a radio person. Mm-hmm. I would be like, "Young, why why are they trying to steal back y'all song? Like, what's <laughs> what's up?" And then I'd be like, "Oh, that's where back y'all got that from." Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't know. So I mean. You know, but um, it came a lot from a lot of movies. Um, I always like flashy stuff, though. Mm-hmm. Always, I always like. I had pink Air Force Ones as a young and you know what I'm saying? Cause I I've been I've been comfortable with myself for a long time. You know, I was like I said because of my family, I kind of had a platform as a young mm-hmm. because of the what what they did before me. Mm-hmm. So like it was a given. It was like passed down a little bit, and then I would watch my brothers and them who would be on that Moschino, Iceberg, Cooch, like they was on that early. So, like, I really looked up to them, though, a lot, you know, and then the, the typical guys that was around my way who was getting some money, like, a lot of them were with Versace and stuff like that. And they'd be like, yeah, Lil Mo, you're going you gonna to be in this. Trust me, when you make the NBA, you're going to be in this. So, a lot of that stemmed from that, too, though. Peace, y'all. Just taking a moment to say thanks to everyone who's been listening so far and for letting your people know about the show. Even though we're still early in the game, we want to know what you think about the show. So go to alltheflykids.com and take a short survey letting us know who y'all are, where you're listening, and what you want to hear more of. It'll only take five minutes, if that. But we would really appreciate the feedback. Peace. And you built a reputation off your, uh, okay, off, basket, off, off basketball. basketball first, yeah. Okay. Basketball was my thing first. I've been on the N1 mixtape tour. Um, I've been on uh, BET Mad Sports. Uh, I've been in the Slam Magazine. I've done it all, you know. So you know, a lot of people don't even don't even know about that. But you know, nah, I mean, yeah. your name still comes up oh, yeah. in like old school, like youth basketball, basketball conversations. Yeah, yeah I know? got some records too. I got, I got some nice records, especially <laughs> up at my rec. Like I walk in there, I'm forever good. So that that's enough for me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So going to fast forward a little bit. Um, so after high school, did you go to college? Yeah. Okay. I actually went to college. Um, <clears throat> well, first I um. When I left um, 12th grade, um, I originally signed with Maryland Eastern Shore, a letter of intent for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, um, you know, the SAT, it was available, but it wasn't like something that was a priority for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because by the time I got to 12th grade, I was all in with girls. Yeah. It was it was over. You know, so um, the coach at um, Maryland Eastern Shore, he reached out to this junior college that was in uh uh, California. Mm-hmm. It was in San Diego. So I went out there, um, San Diego City Community College. Mm-hmm. Uh, first team all conference and everything, freshman of the year in the conference and things of that nature. And then um, I got some, a lot of schools started seeing me on the West Coast. But I got to the point where I was like, you know, I've just been playing this so long. <laughs> like it's just, you didn't it, have the same love nah, for it. I didn't. I was just playing because I felt like, you know, I didn't want to let my dad down. Mm-hmm. You know, just being honest, I didn't. So um, I came back, and I went to Virginia Union. My cousin was like, yo. Well, first off, I was going to go to Virginia State. I thought I was going to Virginia State. Mm. And my cousin was like, yeah, you know, we should go, man, mess with little Greg. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my man G, yeah, I'm going to go down there. I didn't, I ain't know. I thought that they were the same. <laughs> I, so I get down to Union. I'm like, yo, I wonder where G at. And they like, man, they drank 25 minutes up the road. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Okay, so I'm down here, but it's cool, you know, anything to be not at home because, yeah. you know, it was just so much going on at home. Right, at that time that, still, the, yeah, yeah. it was just safe to be like, man, I went to school. Yeah. 
So I did two years there, and then um, I ended up um, at Howard, and that's why I finished up there. I did. I went to Howard because it was free. Lucky you. Yeah, I had I had to pay, but you lucky. Me, they actually gave me a, a dorm room and everything. And I like what I, dorm you staying? I I never stayed slow. Slow. Okay. And I never stayed one night in there. I was in Meridian. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was formerly known as the Ebony Sex Palace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Meridian had some work in it though. Hey yeah. man, I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to dispute that. Um, yeah, I stayed in slow. It was a uh, for where I was at that point in my life. I was getting a little bit of cheese, so it was like, yeah, <laughs> I wish I would. <laughs> right. Stay in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was cool. It was class, and then I was out of there. It wasn't even a whole lot to it after that, but, yeah, that's pretty much. So I first learned of you working with your brother, Jihad. Oh, man. We used to work together at Busboys and Poets. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day we was just talking. He was like, yeah, you know, my brother, you know, he does these parties over there at Republic Gardens. I'm just like, who's your brother? Man, Mo. I'm like, you talking like I was supposed to know who this yeah. is, you know? <laughs> so one day, I think I came over to one of the parties. I had, I had been stopped working at Busboys, mm-hmm. but um, um, I came over to one of the parties. It was you and LaGree. Mm-hmm. Um, this was even like before, maybe there might have been some talk about the foreman of uh, BOA. Right. Yeah. But it wasn't a, it, it wasn't was, a thing yeah. yet. Y'all yeah. was just doing the party. Parties, so like, right. That was like, what what got you into doing that? Well, that I let Greg uh, lure me into that. <laughs> I'm not a party guy. I don't like it. Um, what happened with that is um we we sat down. We have another partner too. His, his name is Mitch. Low key dude like me, but even lower key than I am. Like, mm. He don't even. He just he he pushes that paperwork though. That's what he do. So um he was like Greg. Greg's a marketing genius. I'm not saying that because he's my partner, but, like, for a guy of that age, man, like, seriously, like, Greg has some incredible ideas, and, like, he, he he's great with people, and he can work the room, and he can dominate the room, and he can make people believe in, not only in themselves, but in the vision that he has. There, there There's quite a few people, you know, who will vouch for that, yeah. you know. No question. And um, he was like, uh, man, we got to build a brand. And I was like, okay, remind you, I'm a, a tiptoeing in the street. So it's like, you know, I'm like, okay, you trying, that low, you trying to keep that low profile. Whatever and just that like, means. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, okay, look, we're going to make you the face of everything. I don't care <laughs> what you say. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, yeah, let's do these parties just to build the brand. We wasn't really making no money off of it. Well, we didn't intend on making any money off of it. Mm-hmm. But then it started growing because it was consistent. And then the names that was on it was like, oh, you know them. I know them. I know them for having nice women, you know, at the events. Like so, mm-hmm. um, that's that's where that came from. And then we was just trying to build our fan base, and you know, that's kind of what just to you know speed it up. Um, that's kind of how the BOA thing started. We the already had administration, a, yeah. So when we was thinking of the names, like me, I'm on some gangster movie, like, oh, let's call it Chubba the Goodfellas or something. <laughs> you know, I always had, like, something, like, off of some gangster movie I seen or something. He was like, no, we're, we're a group of people that come to a table and make decisions. And that's, how, administration. that's yeah. how the name came about. Right. Okay. And he was like, I didn't want to limit ourselves to, like, just a rap name, but more so consulting and marketing and management. So I was like a multi- Okay, fast so, company. Okay, cool. So something I'm, that could be respected yeah, yeah. beyond no, just the hood. Right, no question. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. So he was like, you know, let's build that up. 
And then when, once we got the people following the brand, then we can put something out. And that's kind of what happened when we decided to get artists. Mm-hmm. I felt like, this is my personal opinion, I never really even spoke on this, but I felt like BOA as a whole was bigger than the artist. And it always was. Elaborate on that. And I say that because I felt like, in certain instances, I felt like some of the artists that we did have, they were talented, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have the it factor. But people gave them a chance because they loved the movement. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we were, like, the first, like, you know, people don't like to give credit. I mean, for me, it doesn't really matter. But they don't like to give credit that we built an infrastructure and a movement that sparked something in D.C. Mm -hmm. That had actually a nice time, like a a nice run. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a lot of people weren't into music. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, a few people doing open mics. And and that was cool because that was there. But I'm just saying, as a unit. Like we threw our own shows, we had our own parties. Everywhere we went, we dressed in uniform. You know what I'm saying? Y'all had the Letterman hoodies, and had Letterman's. Yeah, like that stuff was big. When we tweeted, all of us tweeted. Mm-hmm. When when you know what I'm saying? So like that infrastructure that we built, like and out of nowhere, it was just like join up the join up. I'm like, oh, they got a joint together now, or they got a joint together now. And I, me personally, I'm never the type of guy that's like. Oh, they jogging or something like I don't even care. When you put something out in the universe, man, it's it's too influence or, you know, for for the people. That I mean, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not like you don't own it, you know what I'm saying, unless you really own it. Right. But, you know what I mean? So for me, I was like, damn, well, I know we need all of us in order to create a community of music. Mm-hmm. For them to look down here, it has to be a lot of us pushing for something. Mm-hmm. So I was happy for that. You know, and you know, at the end of the day, I love competition too. So, like a little bit of it was like, oh yeah, they want to do that, let's do this. You know what I mean? So, that was good too. And I mean, we did a lot of things, man, to be a small independent label. Mm-hmm. Like we had one of Black O'Bain's, um mixtape release parties at the Samsung place in New York. Bro. Yeah, like I'd sat back like a year ago and was like, yo. <laughs> know how we was pulling some of this stuff off but like that was major you know what i mean and we did u street music hall and sold it out like tickets was 25 dollars. i came and like to, i came to that and and to be honest the the artists that were on there they weren't at the level where you would pay 25 dollars. and that's what i'm saying about boa's movement and what they were doing for the city was bigger than the actual artists so then let me ask you this mm-hmm. why did y'all take on artists who you you all thought weren't up to I guess industry standards or, or okay this. cool all right I'm glad then because I've, I've never talked about BOA ever right but um let's start off with the first one was Black Obey mm-hmm. all right so Black Obey and just, just before you get in there just to clear for some people mm-hmm. Wale was a partner yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. He was okay. A partner. Okay. All right. So Black O'Bain was Virginia kid, went to Virginia State with Greg. Mm-hmm. He's also a Sigma like Greg. Mm-hmm. So Black O'Bain was more so, might have been personal for G. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when you're in business with people that you love, you don't really ask mm-hmm. if this is what they want to do and this is what 
than I'm behind it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. me personally, I was never really like a big fan of black women. Okay. Now I saw the progress. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I saw that, but I never really was like, you know, big on black women. You know, whatever. Um, Fat Trail, who Greg saw at an open mic or somewhere, I don't know. But Greg he probably came. did see him because that's where I first yeah. saw, I saw him at the pure open mic. Yeah, and that's in the day. what Greg did. Yeah. And he came to me and he was like, yo, I want you to see somebody. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I want you to go to this open mic. I'm like, did John like off Eight Mile? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, I wasn't really familiar with music like that. So yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah. So I get in there and it's this kid with dreads. He then took his shirt off. And I'm like, oh. At first, I'm like, Oh man, he can't dress because I'm, <laughs> I'm mentally I'm, that that plays a role in my head. So, but then I'm like, you know what? But this kid's a star. This might be one of the best youngers I've ever seen come out of DC so far. Mm-hmm. Not that I saw a lot of them because I'm still stuck in the Gogo era too. Mm-hmm. So, Gogo was like, still big back Greg, then. Greg, like, yo, I wanna, I wanna sign him. So we meet with him. He got his crew, uh, base heads, um, and you know, we get him. You know, so we had him like the first two years. And um, Sasha, that might have been personal for G2. Okay. Kim Rap, just, I'm just not a big fan of her. And um, Tierra, I was sold though, because that was just flat out talent. Mm-hmm. It was flat out talent. You know, she chose to go otherwise, you know, as far as the direction of her music, but flat out talent. Mm-hmm. And I love anybody that's will perform at the drop of a hat. Okay. She don't care where she at who's around and that's like a boost for me because I like to show off from, from time to time to show like you know this is what we work for and she is one of them people that she gonna make you look good you know so um then we had signed light show and I think that was a, he was on to come up at the time um and uh talented kid is just me personally I just think that um the production if he could just switch up on the production, probably you know what I'm saying. But which is pro- which honestly is a lot of people's downfall. Yeah, oh, I think. Man, no it's question. Production, like no question. Even if they, it's 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 people out here that's killing that I, can't can't rap a lick, can't sing, they but they produce well. Their production is like that. Yep, and they produce well. They sit in the studio with the producer, not a beat maker. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot about music. I just don't speak on it. But um, and with Boa, um, it first started like we uh we always manage Trey. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and you know, Trey from UCB, of, yeah, and he's out of a partner, and that's also my god brother. So he he came to us, and he was like, "Yo, you know, Wale, man, I'm telling you, we get in and y'all do the marketing for him and brand him, blah blah blah." blah. So I'm like, yeah. I knew him from DTLR, mm-hmm. you know, when I used to be the manager at DTLR. So I was like, "Oh, young from Maryland, or whatever," and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I was like, "Man, yeah, he popping for home," and I always root for home team. I don't really care who it is, whatever. So. Um, he was like, let's set up a meeting. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> and then we met at Carolina Kitchen one day. Mm-hmm. And then we ate and we talked about it. And, you know, Greg, you know, he did what he do. All you got to do is put him on the floor. He, he going to get a bucket. You know what <laughs> I mean? So it kind of sealed the deal. And we came in as, you know, just doing the marketing for him. Okay. So we went back to the, the drawing board and uh, me and my cousin Mitch and then G and we sat down and we drew up a six month marketing plan. Okay. And then that's when we gave you more about nothing. Okay. A lot of people don't want to talk about it, but I'll talk about it because it was incredible marketing. So, um, 
we did that and we just you know we took them around and we recorded everything this one we didn't have no camera we had the flip cam that we had got from Belvedere or somebody I don't know mm-hmm. but then we had to get somebody else my man Dre to edit it okay. back then you know what I'm saying and um we was going around every day everywhere just becoming a face for him mm-hmm. because the city wasn't behind him at that point mm-hmm. you know what I mean so we went to Virginia States and the malls and kiss babies and encouraged people to buy his CD he had just got dropped yeah, got dropped like the week after. From Interscope? Yes. Okay. So that was a big, big situation. And we had went to this party and like they wasn't even speaking to him in there. Damn. And he was signed. So we like, God dang. So now I'm like, I want to win with him mm-hmm. because somebody else gave up on him. You know what I'm saying? So that's how the, the, the Wale relationship. And our first, like, no lie, our first, like, probably year, like, we was packing it up in the room traveling. I would say, were y'all still in D.C. or had y'all made the move? Nah, we we were still in D.C., but okay. we was on the road a lot with, okay. with him and Trey and uh, DJ Omega. Because I know y'all were in Atlanta for, for, for a while. Yeah, we did like two years, three years down there. Okay. Um, But before that, we were here, and it was like, um, man, just the traveling. And like, we was getting, it was giving them one hotel room. There's like five, six of us in there just grinding, you mm-hmm. know? And that's the one thing I could, like, I'm always going to vouch for Wale, like, you're never going to be able to say that he don't work hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I look at the artists now, like from D.C. and stuff like that. I'm like, you all won't ever outwork him. So you're going to have to make better music. You're going to have to move more strategic. You're going to have to have a better audience, a more cult following. And you haven't seen either one yet. You haven't seen the, no. somebody come close to his work, work ethic we even no. outdo it, and you haven't seen anybody put out better music. No. Okay. There's a few that make incredible music here, though. Mm-hmm. There's a few. Um, but this man, his work ethic, and I don't even, I don't even talk to Wale, but that's one thing I'm standing behind him on that. Like you can't. Take I that mean, if me. if if it legit is legit, yeah, you know, and if it's if it's to. if it's good, it's good, yeah. you know. So you gotta acknowledge yeah. that. So most definitely. And um, that it took off from there. Like you know, we did that thing with the more about nothing and him getting off twitter for a whole 30 days and everybody where is he at and then he just came back and was like more about nothing mm-hmm. and then that joint was trending mm-hmm. so when we created boa in the process of that we had like our interns was like some of the people that's kind of like driving the media side of dc like tally and popping them from dmv followers mm-hmm. and like bird and all like all of them was un- we knew how to be- we had the infrastructure yeah to be successful mm-hmm so, you know, and they would catch a lot of grief because it was like, oh, yeah, pro BOA. You know what I'm saying? But, hey, we gave them the platform because Wale opened up a platform for everybody. Right. Now, although Wale opens up a platform for you, it's up to you to execute the work. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody give us nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we paid our dues, you know. And, you know, some people will discredit you because they'll say, oh, well, you know, Wale got them there, this and that. Wale's only an artist. There's a lot of business that goes on behind that, a whole lot of business, and a lot of people don't know about that. But a lot of people don't know about they the don't business have a clue. of anything. Nah, <laughs> they don't have a clue, and um, that's kind of you know we took Trail to Wale, mm-hmm. Black Cobain to Wale, Tierra Thomas to Wale. Well, he kind of we was all on YouTube looking at Tierra though. Okay, so he I give him credit for that. But Light Show, all that, that's how they even met. Like he didn't know them, Glizzy, no. We like we was initially. Y'all introduced them. Yeah, to no him. question, no question. So, um, 
And that took off, man. We toured for about five years just to be there. We moved to Atlanta when they first, um, he signed to Atlanta and MMG. Okay. And we all just packed up. And we had this three-bedroom townhouse. It was like eight or nine of us. Mm. And, man, <laughs> you know, seniority get the room. So me, G, and Wally had the room. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else, you know, find your spot on the floor somewhere. Yeah. See, so, and that's that. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people just going based off perception oh, may yeah. thinking like, Everybody's living lavishly. Nah. Meanwhile, y'all packed in nah, in a in was, a three bedroom townhouse. We were still going to Super Walmart all together. Like, yo, you owe a hundred on the groceries, and you owe a hundred on the groceries. Like, I'm going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even when right before Ambition came out, like it was still grind, grind, grind. It wasn't never like shh, it got like that later on, mm-hmm. you know. But the Atlanta thing definitely it was it was a it was a great experience for me in general, you know, just to be away. And, like, it take a real person to get up and move from where you live to Absolutely. another state. Absolutely. I've, I've <laughs> done it twice, three times. And I tell people that, like, you know, being being an entrepreneur or being a leader, it, it, it takes a different type of person. It's not for everybody because you got to be able to stand out in front for the scrutiny when – Things don't go that way. You got to be, you know, you got to have tough skin. You know, when the project doesn't go, they're going to look at you. Yeah. You out of the If you're you're the boss, if you're you're the person running the show, everybody's going to look to you for everything. And I'm I'm willing to do that. I'm I'm always willing to do that. I have no problem with that. You got to walk in that dock, like my man G say all the time. Like, before you see the light, Mm -hmm. the actual one that means something, right, you have to walk in the dock. But if you think about it, if we was all in the room and it got extremely dark and we was all trying to find our way out, and mm-hmm. this was our first time in this particular house, mm-hmm. some people are going to turn back and go toward the light or where they came from. Not some, but 95% of the people. Yeah. Because they don't know exactly where they're going. Right. Even if you're telling them, oh, it's right up here to the left. I'm pretty sure we'll make it out. No. They scared. You know what I mean? So, like, being in that leadership role a lot of times... I don't ever feel bad when I feel like I'm putting somebody to work as if they're a soldier. That's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. That's why some people got jobs, nine to fives, and they wake up and they go to the Department of Justice to sit in the cubicle for somebody to tell them what to do. That's real. You know what I'm saying? That's so real. If, if, that's what they, if they're a worker, then they're a worker. I'm not a worker. Yeah. Some people got to go through it to... to, to oh, no question. To... to I think some people know early on, but others, like, they might need to work a job just to yeah. make sure, like, is this what I need, to, need do, to do? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. do I need to go my own way? You know what I mean? Right. So, speaking of which, so, the board, y'all end up disbanding. Yeah. Some, and then, but you stayed in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Okay. I stayed and, in Atlanta. And then you ended up partnering over at um, Amon Manier. Yep. Okay. Yep. I said it right. <laughs> so, <laughs> said it right. Um, with the board thing, um... Actually, we still, we still on the board. We okay. still collect royalty checks. Okay, great checks from uh, the board at this point. Um, and um, that happened. It was a a lawsuit. Probably can't really talk about it. Whatever, but um, don't talk about it. If you can't talk yeah, about, it, don't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> it was just a, it was a m- misfortune. Okay. I said that, but the board changed our lives, and it's forever going to be there. You know, even if I'm, I'm going to revisit it, mm-hmm. but it's just probably going to be more so for the junior board and, like, you know, just more for the community and, like, 
give people an opportunity to be able to be educated on the music business. Mm-hmm. So, because I've gotten what I'm supposed to get out of music at that point, right. you know, at this point right here, you know, I probably can get some more, but I got to do my justice at giving back because it's a lot of uneducated, business-minded uh, people here where we are in D.C. Absolutely. So, so but what led you to the boutique? Okay, so um, always been in fashion. You know, um, I styled Wale for years. I've done endless videos and magazine, different stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I was in Atlanta. And um, my man, who has nine other stores, mm-hmm. and my guy James or whatever, and I used to do stuff for him all the time. Like, uh, I would get him super in stores with Trinidad, James, Wale, Big Sean, because he got so many stores. Mm-hmm. And his stores make sense because he got great brands. So he hit me and was like, man, what you doing? I'm like, man, you know, I'm going through this lawsuit thing or whatever. And he's like, man, where you at? I'm like, I'm in Atlanta. He's like, man, you want to do something down there? I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Help get your I mind get off things. Yeah, yeah, I can get motivated. That's cool. So um, he was like, all right, well, look around some places. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I look around, send him some drinks. And then um, I, he got the relics on it. But I thought he was still, you know, like, you know, just talk, mm-hmm. you know, because we never really did that type of business together. And so he was like, yeah, um. Yeah, man, we got the the one spot you sent me right there on Marietta. I'm like, what you mean got it? We, I'm, I'll be down there tomorrow to sign the lease. Never comes to Atlanta. <laughs> Never. He doesn't even step foot in Atlanta. He shows up. So I pick him up from the airport. You know, we go sign the lease or whatever. And he like, man, you can put up whatever you want to put up. He said, whatever you don't, it's cool. Don't matter. You still get a percentage. So I'm like, all right, cool. So he basically wants you there. He wanted you there to do the day to day. Everything. Okay. Everything from from what brands we bring in there. So merchandise, everything, 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 okay. the mis- everything, the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. You name it. I was there from. He's only been to Atlanta probably three times total. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of blood and sweat and tears in that store, and I still love it to now. And I'm I'm benefiting at, as we speak, you know what I'm saying, from that because they gave me a platform to be able to say, just side note real quick, when you get around this age, around thirty and stuff like that, you got to be mindful of partners. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I saying that, but you know we change. You know, and you could have been cool with somebody for twenty years, but when you decide to do business with them, it's something different. Absolutely. So um, coming up under him, learning everything, the inside outs of the business and all that, me, I'm looking at it as an opportunity because I've never been underneath. I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn and I'm going back home. So I did everything. Oh, so your plan your plan was to always come back up here? Oh, no question. Okay. Oh, that was from the first day. Okay. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this joint popping and I'm going to make my man happy and make me some good cheese and then I'm going to come on back home. Because I knew that the influence that I had in the city in something like that, mm-hmm. where I'm I'm respected, I can bring that to D.C., you know what I mean? So went in, gutted it out, got it popping. Mm-hmm. I'm tomorrow on Blast, ranked number four boutique in the country. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you I still there. do marketing for that. Right? So you are there for like a year? Yeah, a little over a year. Okay. A little over a year. Okay. Um, set the infrastructure up, and then I said, okay, cool. I'm going back home and I'm going to employ and empower the people that I be around. Okay. You so, know what I'm saying? So I could have did it on my own. Right. Honestly. Could have right. did it on my own. I don't do nothing without G and Trey and Mitch. Okay. I don't care what business it is. Only thing I do is raise my daughter by myself. 
and they help with that. But everything else, as far as business, they're my guys, whether they that's their field or not. That's who I struggled with. That's who I was up with. That's why I met a whole other family that no you created question. just through, no, through, no through, through business. No question. So um, I came back here. I told them. I wrote down everything. I drew up the floor plan and everything. I said, look, I'm about to open this joint up. And everybody was like, all right. So what I need to do? Well, before we get into the museum, because mm-hmm. I know that's where we're going to next, mm-hmm. I want to ask you this. This is actually a listener question. Mm-hmm. When did you know you were influential? When did you know you you held influence? Like when it like that one moment. The one moment? Where you was like, okay, like people really listen and pay attention to what I say and do. I did something on Instagram one time, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably something happened before this, but one time I did this Nike strike, mm-hmm. right, on Instagram. And, like, each day I would post something else, mm-hmm. like me rocking another type of sneaker. Mm-hmm. And then Greg was like, yeah, did you look at your hashtag that you be using? I was like, nah, I didn't even, I'm not, seriously, I'm really not educated when it comes to, like, the social media thing. So he shows me the hashtag, and it was like 2,000 people doing the Nike strike with me. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> this is weird. And then I started looking at my notifications because I never used to really pay attention. I posted and then I just, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I didn't used to talk back to people because I'm like, oh, then I'm going to probably have to talk to all 36 of them. Nah, so, you don't have to. Yeah, but. I know, but, you know, <laughs> they expect it, you know. So um, we looked at it and then they just started adding me mm-hmm. every day, like, people oh my goodness the nike strike and this and then i would see people from nike like like dang mo how long can you go and i'm looking like man what did i do whole time you created a man, whole campaign and you whole, didn't uh, and you didn't even you weren't even trying to do that nah, <laughs> i was just playing because i was bored in the house we were uh we were in between albums you know what i'm saying and you know how that that's a hell of a process when you're in between albums and you know he's actually recording so it's not like you on tour mm-hmm he barely goes to the club. Mm-hmm. So it's not like no comp bottles and all that. You know what I'm saying? It's studio, 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 house. Mm-hmm. So like I was bored. So I was like, you know, let me do something. Yeah. I got a lot of sneaks. So let me just do that. Yeah, that was one time. That was definitely one time. And then I had one recently. I didn't know. Um, I finally decided to say, okay, cool. I've been a private person. But I posted a picture of uh, me and my daughter in a stroller mm-hmm. on Instagram. It was on a popular page for like two days. Wow. And it was like, okay. Well, I did have Yeezys on a little early, but that the stroller is a twenty like a twenty five hundred dollar stroller. Mm. And I had the matching bag on it. So it was like, you know, but it got so bad that my Instagram was freezing. Wow. And now I had to like cut my phone off. Like they was just coming the the, yeah, the, the, like, the likes was just coming it's, in. Yeah, it's like twenty thousand likes right now. Wow. Like right now. Yeah, it's like close to like two, three thousand comments or something like that on that one page. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And then after that I just started seeing all the celebrities with the stroller. Yeah. Left and right. Everybody. Oh, meme of this, meme of that. Taking the same type of pictures, dude. So I said, Oh, that's pretty cool. That was one reason. I mean the best ideas oftentimes come when you're not even th- really uh, trying to come up with something. That's why I, that's why I invented a company called the Organic Goods. You know what I'm saying? Because I always felt like, you know, a lot of things that I do, they aren't forced. You know, and the greatest things that do come most of the time, they are organic. Yeah, what's, 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 because I, I saw you talking about organic goods before I even saw you talking about the museum. Yeah, yeah, that, that's my thing. That's, that's my, that, you know how you got that one company that just allows you to be OD creative? Mm-hmm. And it, it allows me to be almost like a kid. Mm-hmm. 
I like to have fun with it. I built some characters because I come up on Iceberg, you know what I'm saying? So I created these characters and um, these personalities with them. And um, it's actually launching again in February. Okay. So the first time I ever launched the Organic Goods, I put the head up. Mm-hmm. And we sold 100 heads in like an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah, that was another moment I figured I was in for it. <laughs> That one, and then when we did the Black History Month one, mm-hmm. we put it up and we sold two fifty in three hours. Oh. And at that time, honestly, I didn't even have two hundred fifty heads. But I'm a hustler, so it was. Cool. You, you made it happen. You got them out to the people. No question. <laughs> you got them out yeah, there. Yeah, right. And like even now, people come up there and be like, "Yo, y'all ever gonna sell organic goods here?" But that's one of those things that's a movement, mm-hmm. and people understand the brand. Yeah. And like I said, the the the, the slogan for it is nothing's ever forced. Nothing good is ever forced. You know what I mean? So that's what organic is just for me. So y'all, you you get back home, you had a conversation with all your partners. Mm-hmm. The museum opens. Yep. All right. Now a lot of people, a lot of people still haven't been to the museum. So I just right. want you to like you know, mm. give them a, a a summary idea of what to expect when they come in and like what what the what the purpose good. of the museum is. A lot is. of people still it's still like a static about it. Like people are like okay, what is it? Mm-hmm. And why would a clothing store be called the museum? Mm-hmm. So, um it's a 2014 Rhode Island Avenue Northeast and I went in that um area to one because it was an untapped market. And two, I like the challenge. You know, most people you build your business based on foot traffic and things of that nature. I just feel like we have enough influence where people going to come to Northeast. They probably never come to Rhode Island Avenue even before then. But um, it's a mixture of, it's where fashion meets art. Mm-hmm. And those two are running neck and neck. They run along the lines of each other. Like, prime example, a lot of artists are the reason that we go crazy for certain shoes. People don't understand it. When I say artists, I don't mean rappers. I mean like when Visual they do, artists. yeah. And people don't understand that. And art is the drive for fashion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know when you wear these certain designs on your shirt and things. That, a creative artist created that. Mm-hmm. So like they run along the lines of each other, and they so close. I just wanted to mesh them. So the museum is really just a creative think hub. Mm-hmm. I never really wanted to push apparel on people. If you buy, you buy. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But when you come in there, I want to be able to educate you on fashion. Whatever you might even want to, you might just be on your lunch break. Stop through and talk to us. That's, I mean, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. It's like a community thing. Like, you know, that's why I don't OD on social media, Make take these incredible photos and try to get you to buy these, these nice jeans and things of that nature. That's why we always have events. Mm-hmm. We've never charged for one event. You know what I mean? Yeah. The liquor's always free. It's always a good vibe. You can get educated. There's nothing in my store that I can't tell you about. Right. Or if you're going to do something with your mom or anybody, just come come in. We cool. Like It's that. And and I'm not somebody that owns a store and I'm never there. I'm in there. You put my eight in. in. <laughs> I put my eight in. You know what I'm saying? And it's different for people. I wanted to do something different because it's different for people when they can touch. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people look past that. Yeah. Like it's not, that doesn't mean anything. That means a lot. Especially if they've been following your progress for so long and then they know that they, that you did. Mm. It's a different type of love for it, you know? And a lot of people come in and be like, man, I've been following you on Instagram for two years. Man, I love what you're doing. 
and they come in and buy a hat. And I'm cool with that. But even if they didn't, I'm cool with that too. The fact that they came up there is the effort. You know, they see the store. You know, it was a great build out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you come in, it's color. You know what I mean? People speak to you. It's never a bad vibe in there. Not when I'm in there anyway. You know what I mean? So, um, and that, that's what I wanted to be a community. It's almost like a mom and pop where mom and pop meets boutique. You know, because I still like, there's a Miss Ann that lives over on South Dakota Avenue that has three kids. And when they go back to school, she only can really afford the jeans for two of them. Mm-hmm. But the museum's putting the third one in the bag. That's what we represent, you know? Community. So, no question. And it'll never change, no matter how much mystique come along. They could pour more money in the shop. That element will always stay. I like how a lot of a lot of younger people, um, a, young, a lot of younger black folks, um, are redefining what it means to be a philanthropist. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I I see a lot of that in in a lot of in a lot of cities. A lot of people and people mm-hmm. that I know mm-hmm. um, hold an influence. Like you know, people think of philanthropists as like these very wealthy people. people. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Who are like going to these like two hundred fifty dollar a plate mm-hmm. fundraisers and whatnot. But like you were doing something that's like something that to someone who has it giving away a pair of jeans to a mother who can only afford to buy clothes for two of the ki- two out of the three kids, you know what I mean? But you're dropping a bu- another pair in there, you know, um, just because, and like, that's major. That is a major philanthropic effort, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I really, I like to see the, the redefinition, mm-hmm. the redefining of philanthropy, right? you know? And see, I, people got to understand where we come from, though. Like, I, some people get it confused and think, you know, these last six years that's who that that that's supposed to define me and greg and mm. the board administration like this music stuff like this is an extra piece man this is only 10 percent of what i represent you know and then music is it's entertainment mm. you know like i think that sometimes people take it too serious but you know the power of it so you you only can take it but you you only can play with it but so much because you know what music can do but I come up in the era where we had almost 25 brands living within 10 by 10 square miles. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if you even if you extended and said Maryland, but like you had six or seven brands at one time doing a million dollars per door. Are you talking about the OG DC Streetwear no brands? No question. Madness was originally um they were operating in 84. Mm-hmm. Stussy was operating in 86 mm-hmm. this street where it like it literally started here mm-hmm. you know and you got like madness they had two doors and they probably was doing a million a door mm-hmm. but with six other competitors right so you can't tell me that dc doesn't embrace dc fashion so i it's my job and along with other people to build a community to bring that back now would you say that these OG brands, though, they stubborn. <laughs> you I already, you it. already knew what I was about yeah, to ask. I said they stubborn, and I think that because of that era that they came up in, they like anti-internet. You know what I mean? Even, even though you know, we know they all got kids they and grandkids and ne- nieces and nephews. Who, when they came up, it was money. It was money in the city, and they all had money. You know what I mean? So for them, it's like I. It's almost like 
I don't have to, you know, been that way. I did all this for the city. I've been around them. I'm only speaking from experience. But they got, like, a chip on their shoulder with this new internet web thing and tight clothes. Like, they hate it. But they're not making the same money that they were making before it's, it, with, with, the, with the operations that they have. And so I would think in my mind, like, okay, I got to do something to be able to keep up with the times. Hey, hey, little Mike Mike. You be on that internet, like, what can I do to bop, 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 like, you know. Stubborn and pride, but they had a run for so long at being successful that they feel like the people that's successful now in that business, they didn't earn that. Mm. That's I'm around them. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Mm. I get that when I had them conversations with them. And I can understand it, but, I mean, listen, one thing you got to do, listen, I don't care if you hate the internet. At some point in time in your life, you're going to have to give in. Yeah. My dad just got an iPhone. He's been a Blackberry man his whole life. <laughs> he got grandkids now. He's like, man, you know about the FaceTime thing? My, yeah. mo- my mother got a Galaxy. She gets the new Galaxies. Her job gives them to. I'm yeah. just like, you were fine with the Blackberry. And she yeah. always come and ask me. I'm like, I got an iPhone, lady. I don't really know yeah. about Android no like that. Mm-hmm. You know? So I come from that era, man. You know, and that's what they represented. Mm-hmm. They used to throw cookouts, man. All of them would get together. All days and all of them, they would get together. We all want to throw one big cookout. And and it's free food for thousands of people. Free product. They would support the local guys that were good in high school. Mm. Give them clothes. They would do toy drives and all that stuff. Like, they represented the community. And that's the generation gap. And that's what I built the museum. That's one of the reasons why I created our own in-house brand, you know? And it's solely based on that. Sweat, joggers, you know? I mean, we just expanded and did some jeans and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. on the low, but that's, that's what it's all about, you know? It's just a, it's a different fit, but it's it's what we come up on, you know? And me personally, I just know that even when people be like, oh, but what about the other stores and this person's opening up a sneaker store here. I'm not no sneaker store, man. That's not where we are. We don't, we don't, sneakers bring traffic. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all they can do for you. They bring traffic. It's not a great profit or margin like people think it is. You got to take a lot to get the good. Mm -hmm. You feel me? A lot lot of people don't don't know that that. either. Yeah, that's why I don't have those conversations because people's not business owners. So it's almost like me talking to myself, you know. <laughs> I hate to be a jerk when. Nah, nah, nah. Like that's that. real. But a lot of people, a lot I mean? of yeah. like once, like I said earlier, a lot of people don't know the business that goes behind the uh, creative lot, and the marketing and, and everything. You it's know, a lot. A lot of people just don't know that. They don't know when you want you want the retro sevens. You got to take this Blake Griffin and this Chris Paul, mm-hmm. and you also got to take this Jordan sweatsuit. So yeah, you might sell all 18, 26, 36 pack of the the Jordans. Remind you, you sitting on another seven grand of product. Nobody's buying the Blake Griffins. Right. Or the Chris Pauls. Mm-hmm. Or that Jordan sweatsuit that fits like a six X. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. So you say, okay, cool. I'm going to mark it down 30%. It's still not attractive. It's they not, don't want it. They don't want it. They ain't moving. They mark it down 40%. It's still not attractive. Then when you mark it down 50%, you really can't because there's an outlet in your city. Mm-hmm. So they got rules about how far you can mark it down mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so like it, then you stuck with it so and the season has changed so now you you got taking up room in the stock room 
It's about moving product, man, at a reasonable price and good product as fast as you can. So speaking of the internet, DC fashion, all that, where DC style and fashion today as you see it, like, what, what, what are your thoughts on it? We have a false sense of reality. That's my personal opinion. Okay. I think there's so much that we have to sit down and build. We have to build an infrastructure. Mm-hmm. We have to. We just go off talent. We just go off talent. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can educate the youth because they're so creative and they have so much, they they have so much um, access to the web and they're so creative, mm-hmm. but they don't know anything when it comes to what goes on behind the scenes to execute that. Okay. So I think that we have... We have we have a good chance, but we have to build a community here and get on the same page and understand that it's not always about competition. We got to drive the people that when they want to come here outside of D.C. and be like, oh, yeah, you know they got them good stores. Mm-hmm. It has to be a community. When you go on L.A., Fairfax, it's 30 stores that all sell the same stuff. But you know, like, oh, let me go on Fairfax. They're going to leave out of dope, and they're going to go on Diamond Supply. They're mm-hmm. going to leave out of Diamond Supply. They're going to go on 10 Deep. Mm-hmm. But, and you know that. Yeah. And they carry the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. It's money for everybody. We got to get on the same page. Like, you know, me, I'm willing to work with anybody. Okay. You big Commonwealth major. I don't care. I don't have no picks about none of that. I wish everybody the best. You know what I'm saying? But the one thing that separates us from everybody else is that some people are in the business of selling other people's clothes. Mm-hmm. We were able to, within six months, create our own brand, mm-hmm. and that's what people want now. I've exited out 80% of other brands. We only sell museum and like BBC and maybe one or two other brands. But it's all museum now, and the profit and margin is amazing. Well, I know last time we talked, um, you were talking about um, basically the museum being that incubator for like business education within mm-hmm. fashion and what have you on. Um, but I want to know also, have y'all thought about getting into the business of like being art agents or art dealing and whatnot? And I asked that because I read this book a while ago called The, um, the $12 Million Stuff Shark. Mm-hmm. And it really broke down just the the gap between the knowledge that the actual artists have about the business mm-hmm. and how easy it is for the people who manage the business side of art to, to win, to get over on the artists all day long. You That's know, what they do. And I think especially, especially just once again, with that, that level of influence that y'all have mm-hmm. um, and how much you embrace art mm-hmm. and know how influential art is and how much it impacts so much that we buy into. Right. Is that something y'all have thought about doing? Just like yeah, dealing, we, we dealing, want, dealing. We want to control the art market here, mm-hmm. and it's a group of people that sit down and they control the art market. So it's like, say for instance, you're a new cat. It's a kid named Sylvester. Mm-hmm. He's pretty dope. Um, they'll take. He'll sign with an art dealer, right? They'll align him in the in 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 the gallery. Mm-hmm next to cause okay so for the average person that's elegance like oh yeah, yeah. okay cool absolutely 
So they build the artist. Now, knowing that that's still considered, cause is still considered lowbrow art. Right, right. You know, exactly. That's not even considered, considered fine, fine art. No, nah, not even close. So I'm just saying, like, I just put it on a, a, a urban skill so they can, you know, right, better right. understand it. Because if you start talking about other, they won't know exactly <laughs> who we talking about. But we want to control that market. Art is a vicious market. And mm-hmm. You can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So um, our art curator, his name is uh, Sauce. He's um, he the first one even introduced me to it. Shout out Sauce, who I, yeah. I ain't seen Sauce in a minute. Man, Where that man, man been at? That man put me on some art, man. And I made some money off art. You know what I mean? So um, we working on building him up. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And, and having him one of them them great collectors that people respect. Mm-hmm. And, when he decides to do his exhibit, a lot of people come out and things of that nature. As soon as this weather break, man, we got so much stuff on it. Like it's, it's unreal. We got about 36 events from starting from about March 2nd through September. And it's all in-house. Awesome. No extra people we don't know. No, I, I, all in-house. I, I, I like that y'all are, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of in-house events. Mm, no question. I always said if, if I ever, like, uh, 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 a dream of mine is still to open up a nightclub. Yeah, but I only want to do in-house events. I don't yeah. even want to do outside promoters at all. all. That, yeah. But that's because I have enough going Creative, on in here the way I can to make it work. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so we got we we should expect to see about thirty six events. No question. In all in in the next several months, in house yep. the museum events. Yep. Okay. Um, what else? Anything else we should be looking out for from the museum? Um, we. We're about to get into the, uh, I told you the class is about to start on mm. Mondays. Okay. And it's um, fashion merchandising, uh, brand presentation, uh, entrepreneurship one-on-one, mm. um, code of business ethics, you know, um, trademarking, a couple oh. different joints. So I love it, man. I love um, it. <laughs> that's about to start on Monday. So the shop will be closed, but only for um, the classes or whatever. So Y'all got to sign up for these classes come through. Like this is, this is. And they're free? Yeah. Free class. Like, listen, if y'all don't come out to these classes and y'all have any type of fashion business, please, I don't even want to hear you complaining, hating or nothing. The next person that's winning who did come out and got the knowledge. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is free. They're giving y'all, like, million-dollar information for free. I'm telling you. You know, or information that y'all could even, like, Google, but that y'all won't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, and you're hearing from people who have been in the industry have done it you know what i mean that's the best those are the best teachers the people oh, who have man. done it please, you know what i mean please take from people that have some type of success <laughs> in your field and not listen to people that have no success in your field absolutely absolutely so where can people find you in real life and on the internet uh 60 of the time i'm with my daughter so you'll probably just see us in the park somewhere or something but other than that i'm at the museum which is a 2014 rhode island avenue i also consult for under armor so um it's on the northeast side y'all yeah and um, I'm on the road pretty much. I just got back into um, sports management. Okay. So I got a kid that's um possibly going to be in a draft. Well, not possibly. I just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he's he's high. Okay. Probably two or three. You when, when 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 the when the deal is set, you you'll let it be known. Uh, June twenty third. Okay. It's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's All right. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the social media? Uh, I have one social media. Haven't had anything else in life. Uh, it's a uh, Moschino. It's uh, M O underscore S C H I N the number zero. Okay. And the museum's uh social media the, uh, at the museum DC, and then our website is uh, www.themuseumdc.com. 
All right. Well, Mo, yeah. I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you for having me. It feel good sometimes to just come and be able to, because I don't talk much to people. You know, this is the most, I the first time of all the years we would see each other out, the oh. first time we had a conversation was like two years ago when Maketo first opened up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really, uh, take me a minute, you know. I'm real judgmental of like, you know, who you open up to and all that. But it feel good to just come out and just let some stuff down. You know what I'm saying? Nah. I appreciate y'all. Like I said, for everybody that's out there, um, if I could leave you with one thing in life, find peace within yourself. That's it. Good words to live by. All right, dog. That's a wrap. The All The Fly Kids Show is produced and recorded at One Love Magic Studios, located across from the historic Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. Engineered by Mike, Mark, and Molly, and produced by Geronimo Nose. You can subscribe and listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Mixcloud. Pay it forward and let your people know we're here.